Richard Radio begins in three, two, one. Now, I am not reintroducing the idea of purgatory. But on the other hand, I do believe the baby was thrown out with the bathwater. With that came a belief. When you die, you're instantaneously and magically made perfect. The soul of someone who dies immediately goes into eternity. There is no place where you make up for your sins. There is no purgatory. In the twinkling of an eye, we shall be changed. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. This is a bad day and a good day for the Southern Baptist Convention. This is Wretched Radio. Most likely, if you are ever on a computer, you saw in your news feed a report that was just delivered regarding the executive committee of the Southern Baptist Convention. Bottom line, a whole lot of abuse was going on, accusations being made which were ignored by the executive committee of the Southern Baptist Convention. Not all of them, but it appears many of them were not willing to accept the stories of women who reported pastors as abusing them. And so the Houston Chronicle in 2018 did a little research, discovered 380 instances of claims of sexual abuse in Southern Baptist Convention churches, which led to outcry from the convention for the executive committee to be transparent. For a while, they did stonewall that, but they were finally persuaded to let guidepost ministries in to discover whether or not the executive committee had handled sexual abuse scandals correctly. The report, now in, hot off the press, says, overall, no, no, they didn't. And the details, they're not pleasant. Please remember, this is a report So we're going to share what it is that they concluded about the Southern Baptist Convention, because this is a day that is bad for the SBC. And yet it could be good for the SBC, depending on how they respond. I think it's worth noting that a few years ago when the executive committee said, no, we really don't want a private investigation. The outcry from the messengers demanded, yeah, no, you're not going to you're not going to investigate yourself. We are going to have somebody investigate y'all. That's that's positive. The negative, of course, as the results of the investigation that took place where it would appear there was a lot of reporting of sexual abuse But due to legal concerns, the executive committee didn't get involved. Now, the executive committee would be the first to tell you that the Southern Baptist Convention is not a denomination. There isn't a hierarchy. The executive committee does not have authority over local autonomous churches. It seems that occasionally they do because they will indeed boot somebody out for particular issues. But it doesn't appear that they were willing to engage in some of these reports that pastors were abusing women. It was being revealed to the church and then the pastor would just be sent to another church. Oh, boy. What do we do with this? especially if you're in the Southern Baptist Convention. I suspect a lot of churches are having to ponder, do we continue as a part of the SBC, or is it time to do a little Algero breaking away? We'll see. 
because the convention of the Southern Baptists is coming up in three weeks. I wonder what they'll be talking about as we see a number of conservative guys who are running for the office of president. We'll see which way the Southern Baptist winds are blowing. That might be instructive if you're an SBC church to wait and see and watch the votes. There will be, no doubt, some sort of resolution on this guidepost report. How will the convention vote? That will be telling for you. Furthermore, the CRT issue, it is alive and unfortunately well in the SBC. Let's see how they vote. These will be instructive bites of knowledge for SBC churches as they make that decision. But what can we learn from this? You and I are probably not going to be serving on the executive committee of the Southern Baptist Convention. I know I won't. I don't consider myself SBC. Nevertheless, as is always the case, we want the SBC to survive. We want the SBC to thrive. How might they go about doing that? And what can you and I learn from it? And I think it starts with being very wise and very cautious and careful. We should be screening workers with children. We have the ability to do that. And, and, and it, is, it is available to every church to do some sort of background check on anybody who works with children. And I'm talking about 18 and under, because many of these reports were from 14 and 16-year-olds. Thanks, Scoob. We need to be screening those people. And if there is a hint, if there is an a, a waft that, uh-oh, there's historically been a problem, uh, then those people do not get to serve with children. What about pastors? Which is what this executive committee report focused on. How should you and I view our pastors today in light of the report that was delivered yesterday? And I think the answer to that question is biblically, because there could be a tendency to read a scathing report like this and suddenly have a Spock eyebrow toward your pastor. Hmm, what's he up to? Is he committing crimes too? Want to be careful, but we don't want to ignore that any man, if he doesn't take heed, can fall. So we don't want to react by suddenly accusing our pastor or thinking somewhere even in the back of our brains, I wonder if my pastor is up to that. I, I think we need to find some biblical balance. If there are hints of it, if there are accusations, they need to be taken very seriously. People getting hurt is a serious accusation. If a pastor punched somebody in the nose and the victim came into your office or home with a bloody nose saying, the pastor punched me in the nose, you take that seriously. Now, you need to do some investigating to make sure that the allegations are actually true. That's also Proverbs eighteen seventeen biblical balance. You hear the accusations, you take them seriously, but you can't render a verdict until you hear both sides of the story. And so if you are wondering, hmm, what about my pastor? If you have no reason to believe it, uh, don't be thinking that he's up to shenanigans. 
Having said that, because we live in a world that has so many opportunities for abuse, I don't know that it's different than any other time in history, but there's plenty of options these days for committing some sort of sexual sin. What could we do for our pastors? Not in an accusatory way, but how could we help them, protect them, put guardrails around them? A hedge of protection, if you like. How do we help our pastor? So maybe if you are in a church and you have the ability to influence, you're an elder, you're a deacon, and pastor, don't be offended by this. You're going to get brushed a little bit because of a report like this. Work with the elders, work with the deacons to come up with safeguards. Shouldn't be a pro- for any godly pastor, not a problem. So that there is some accountability. How many times have we seen this? When a leader of a big evangelical organization doesn't have any accountability, they're, they're in danger. And so is your pastor. Does that mean that we should put an ankle bracelet on him and track his every move? No, it doesn't mean that. But it does mean that we should be able to sit down with our pastor and say, let's make sure that we are protected here from the temptation of any sort of sexual scandal. We don't want people getting hurt. We don't want you falling. So let's talk about what we could put in place for you, dear pastor. And I think each church is going to have to figure that out based on the nuances of their situation But I think some form of accountability, somebody should have some access to their internet, shouldn't they? I do. I think think every husband and wife should for each other. Anytime you want to jump on there and see what I've been up to, feel free to do so. As far as tracking their every move, well, no, we're not going to do that. But maybe applying the Billy Graham slash Mike Pence rule would be wise, Pastor. You're not going to be alone. In a room with a woman, not with a closed door anyway, there should be somebody who has easy visibility to see what's going on there. And so it is that there are things that we can do to safeguard our pastors and churches from the scandal that is washing over the Southern Baptist Convention. You can get in front of this. And there are things you can learn that you can do when somebody brings an accusation. What do you do? How do you respond? What do you put in place to deal with these allegations? Southern Baptist received some recommendations. We're going to take a look at them and consider what is going to happen now with the SBC. This is Wretched Radio. There are many struggles experienced by our brothers and sisters in Ukraine, specifically those who run the Master's Academy International. The biggest challenge for men attending TMAI, especially in our context in Ukraine, is the opposition from people in the church who oppose sound doctrine, and therefore men really struggle to transform their ministries in accordance with the Word of God. The Master's Academy International in Ukraine fighting a battle on two fronts. 
you've got Russia, of course, and you have opposition from the church in Ukraine for biblically trained pastors to preach the gospel. Would you please consider supporting the Masters Academy International? Adopt a seminary, 17 different countries. Might want to turn your attention to Ukraine. To learn more about this amazing legacy ministry, visit wretched.org slash pastor, wretched.org slash pastor. Hey, thanks for listening to Wretched Radio today. Question, do you also watch TV? All right, don't mock me. That's a legitimate question because some Christians don't and that's okay. But I did want you to remember that Wretched is also on TV. 135 Christian networks to be exact. Wretched TV is hosted, of course, by Todd Friel and is a daily 30-minute program containing live witnessing encounters and conversations about tough theology stuff. You can find us on TV, our website, wretched.org slash TV, and also on Roku, Amazon Prime, Truly, and Amazon Fire TV. And it's only possible by the kindness and generosity of our gospel partners. So would you prayerfully consider becoming an ongoing monthly gospel partner? You can help us continue making Wretched available to everyone and also help us in our mission to reach the lost, equip the saints, and strengthen the local church. Find out how you can become a Wretched Gospel Partner just by visiting Wretched.org slash donate. Wretched. Amazing grace. Amazing gospel. The situation in Ukraine appears to be a long and winding and rather scary road. Tomorrow clubs are still in Ukraine. There are still club leaders there. There are still Christians who are willing to help other Christians with the very basic necessities of life. Would you have the ability to help some of our brothers and sisters in Ukraine to simply receive the bare necessities? I know that Cindy Marty is extremely grateful for your support. There just are really no words to describe the gratitude that we have. Believe me, the children and families in Ukraine are so grateful. Thank you so much for your prayers and support. Tomorrow Club's still alive and well, but dealing with the dangers of Ukraine. If you think that you could support some believers there, please visit tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched Important dates in Christian history 1675 German Lutheran minister Philipp Jakob Spener publishes Pia Desideria, which becomes a manifesto for pietism while both Catholicism and Protestantism define the faith in largely communal and societal terms, Pietism emphasized the personal experience of being born again. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. The report is in and it ain't pretty. This is Wretched Radio, Guidepost Ministries. They are an investigative group. That will go into a local church, or in this instance, the Southern Baptist Convention Executive Committee, to do a little sleuthing to determine, have sexual allegations been dealt with biblically, correctly, and legally? And I think that's a component that it would appear for decades too many churches have ignored They believe that if this happened in the context of the church, therefore, it is a church matter. No, it's not. And here's why. Remember our realms of authority. Remember that God has instituted certain groups, organizations, 
to make sure that people behave well and that our society functions correctly. And those three dominions, if you will, would be the government, the church, and the family. And if somebody, even inside the church, even if it's a pastor, breaks a law, they, not you, they have placed themselves outside of the jurisdiction of the local church and into the jurisdiction of legal authorities. And I think historically, too many churches ignored that aspect of responsibility because they felt, well, this is just a spiritual matter. And what we're learning from this report on the SBC Executive Committee, it appears, this is a report, remember, it appears 703 pastors were allegedly accused of some sort of sexual misconduct, which were ignored by the SBC. Nine of them are still in ministry, by the way, because that, of course, is one of the oofda, glaring accusations of the report that these pastors were just moved from one church to the other and they weren't dealt with legally. Local church, don't make that mistake, to help us all as local churches to do this right. Remember, there are people who get hurt. These are children sometimes. They're, they're being hurt. These are, these are women, and I, I, the report indicated boys too, are, are, are being scarred for life. We should care about this issue, and we should seek to do the best we can to protect our people. Because we do have that responsibility. Here are the details of the report. Every outlet is writing on this, by the way. The longest story, though, that I saw, to their credit, was from Christian. Now, this is NBC News. It was from Christianity Today. They, they did a long article on this. And they revealed an awful lot of bad that was going on at the executive committee level of the SBC. They wrote more than the secular outlets, but the secular outlets, um, they're all writing about it. I've got an article here from the Tennessean, of course, the Houston Chronicle, who were the instigators. And I don't mean that in a bad way, the instigators of this conversation. Let's see what we can learn. Stone, this is the headless. This, if this is, this is, oof. The SBC has received a bolo punch. This, this wasn't just one of those wrestling fake punches. No, this, this was a shot to the kidneys here. Here's how this is NBC News reporting it, probably gleefully. Stonewalled and denigrated survivors of clergy sex abuse over almost two decades while they seek to protect their own reputations. It was a 288-page report. These survivors and other concerned Southern Baptists repeatedly shared allegations with the SBC's executive committee, quote, only to be met time and time again with resistance, stonewalling, and even outright hostility from some within the, S the EC. There should never be hostility towards somebody who enters an office and says something bad has happened. Now, we need to be biblical. We take it seriously. You certainly don't mock somebody for it. And then you go about the business of confirming. That's biblical. That's what justice is about. It would appear the EC wasn't willing to do that because they claimed, well, we don't have authority over the local church. 
Whether you believe that or not is up to you because I have seen the SBC executive committee. They have indeed kicked some people out of the pulpits of local Southern Baptist churches. It also appears lawyers were involved with giving advice and counsel to the EC. And this might be one of the biggest lessons. I get it. You, you, you've got a responsibility. There's legal issues. There's tax issues. There's code issues. I understand that. But the moment that those concerns are elevated above our concerns for people, you're going to have a really bad guidepost report on you. We need to be thinking people here. When somebody makes an accusation, let's just say it isn't true. You've still got a sin issue going on because somebody is sinning by lying. If it is true, well, then clearly you've got another sin going on. Then most likely the accused party is going to be lying to boot. And so we see that we must, if we are going to be biblical, take these these allegations seriously. We need to do the investigative report to biblically hear the other side But we need to make sure that we're thinking people first. Now, what are the legal implications of this? Uh, If if there are legal implications, then there's legal implications. Simple as that. It's just then there's legal implications. And you would have to deal with those as they hit your church doorstep. Because we need to be putting people first, not self, not reputation, not committee, and not convention, even though there's almost 40,000 churches. Now, there was a report or a testimony that was given that a pastor who was inappropriate with a woman, to say the least, told her and the husband, hey, um, if you bring this to light, you're going to be compromising 40,000 churches. And to that I say, boo-hoo, then you shouldn't have done that. We can't put those interests above the interests of people. And it appears, best I can tell, that's what was going on with the SBC Executive Committee. Our investigation revealed that for many years, a few senior EC leaders, along with outside counsel, that's the key here, largely controlled their response to these reports of abuse and were singularly focused on avoiding liability for the SBC. Lesson learned. Don't put your church above people. Please note, we take allegations seriously. You can't automatically say you're 100% right. They're 100% wrong. You must, if nothing else, Proverbs 18, 17. Furthermore, the judicial system we see already with Moses in the book of Exodus, where he is ruling on case after case after case after case. We need to take them seriously, do the investigation, and if legal counsel tells you to not do the right thing to avoid some sort of litigation, uh, I think you, uh, you should be putting people first and dealing with this and letting the different realms of authority get involved. Survivors and others who reported abuse were ignored, disbelieved, or met with constant refrain that the SBC could take no action due to its polity regarding church autonomy. Again, somebody will have to determine 
how how much autonomy the churches have or if there is any authority over the EC, but it does raise a question. Let's just say that the EC, the executive committee, doesn't have any authority over a local church and they hear allegations like this. So technically, they can't really tell them what to do, but biblically, shouldn't they have gotten involved? If you heard about this, wouldn't you say, hey, we we need to figure out what's going on here because we don't want people getting hurt. And the truth will be revealed as some sort of judicial process takes place. The truth will be revealed, and we need to be willing to let those consequences hit And if we hear about these things, I think that there could be a lesson for you. You may hear about something like this in your church or somebody who came from another church. Here, this this would be a good test for all of us. Let's just say you've got somebody at your church who approaches you and says, you know, my last church, these horrible things happen. What would you do? You could say, well, that doesn't really affect me. I don't have any jurisdiction over that church. No, we should rush in to help somebody and help those who could be harmed again if indeed the allegations are correct. We must be putting people first before even a 40,000 church convention. Lessons to be learned? (laughs) I suspect books will be written on the lessons learned from this And we should receive those lessons and do everything that we can in the context of our local congregation to make sure we recognize jurisdictions. And if somebody commits a crime into the hands of the law, they go. Because we want to protect people. This is Wretched Radio. This is Wretched Radio, and I'm Jimmy Hanks. According to a new national poll, 90% of Americans believe underage minors should be encouraged to wait until they're of legal adult age before undergoing any type of sex change operation. 90% also agree that medical professionals should be required by law to disclose long-term medical and psychological effects of such operations. Almost three-quarters of respondents oppose the teaching of sexual behavior to elementary-aged children, but 34% say they are not willing to speak up out of fear of offending others. And none of this data should surprise any of us. A new lawsuit has revealed that Alaska Airlines seemingly violated federal and state anti-discrimination laws when it fired two Christian flight attendants who spoke in opposition of the Equality Act. According to the lawsuit, the airline posted an article on an online employee message board about its support of the Biden Administration Act in February last year and asked for employee comments. The two flight attendants did just that and commented their Christian beliefs and opposition to the act, and the airline responded by firing them. So I guess they didn't mean they wanted all comments, they just wanted comments that agreed with theirs. Oh, Disney is making headlines for something positive for kids. Psych. 
fooled you. No, not positive for kids at all. But Disney has launched a new LGBT Pride clothing collection for children, and they have promised to donate all of the domestic profits from the new collection to LGBT causes until the end of June. And one of those causes designated to benefit is the Gay and Lesbian Education Network, which exists, quote, to create safe and affirming schools and learning environments for K-12 students. Well, you can't call Disney quitters. Nope, doesn't look like they'll ever quit trying to get to your kindergarten-aged children. Well, Western University, which is a top Canadian university, recently deleted a pro-LGBT Instagram post because it was offensive to Muslims. The post depicted two women wearing hijabs in a close embrace, clearly on the verge of making out. The post was made in celebration of the International Day Against Homophobia, Transphobia, Biphobia, and more. Backlash came, and it came from a local Muslim leader who called the image inappropriate. The post was removed with no further discussion. And it's funny how it's only the Christian disagreements that are labeled extreme bigotry. There were no loud cries here for the Muslim community to be more inclusive. More Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Books of the Bible. First Corinthians is a letter from the Apostle Paul to the church in Corinth. Paul addresses his concerns about divisions and immorality in the church. Then Paul answers questions from the Corinthians about marriage, food, worship, gifts, and the resurrection. When you want to understand God's high calling for the church, look to 1 Corinthians. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Lessons to be learned. This is Wretched Radio, the Southern Baptist Convention reeling from yet another body blow. Critical race theory would be one of them. The second is a guidepost investigation that is revealing the executive committee of the Southern Baptist Convention did not handle sexual abuse allegations biblically and potentially not even legally. The report is thorough. It's 280 some pages long. They interviewed an Hundreds of people went through terabytes of information and they've written their conclusions. And overall, not everybody, but overall, the EC, because of judicial concerns, an understanding that there would be some potential legal exposure if they got involved with sexual allegations of a local Southern Baptist church. And to that, I say, yeah, that's right. That's 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 what you need to be prepared for. And if this happens in your local church where allegations take place, uh, the law should be invited to the party. Why? Because this is an accusation of a crime. Sexual abuse is a crime. And so the government does have the right to be inside of the doors of the church because of their realm of jurisdiction Regarding criminal activity, does that mean that your local church wouldn't deal with the spiritual? No, it doesn't mean that. Does it mean that they wouldn't do Matthew 18 discipline? Nope, doesn't mean that. But it does mean that because of realms of jurisdiction, realms of authority appointed by God, if, if somebody makes a criminal allegation, then you, you should get the criminal jurisdiction 
involved. There are lessons to be learned, and an awful lot of attention will be given to the Southern Baptist Convention. I suspect that there will be a very loud outcry, that there are some big changes that need to take place with the understanding of the executive committee's responsibility, whether or not it was really in their jurisdiction or not. You can't hear of allegations and say, well, we we don't have authority over those people. Um, Our Christian concern is for those people. And I suspect in three weeks when all of the messengers gather for the Southern Baptist Convention, they're going to be in California this year. They're going to be nominating a new president. It's going to be very telling. I suspect this will dominate the convention. And I'm hopeful that because of the loud voice of all of the messengers assembled, that the appropriate changes will be made. Remember, this is an issue that demands biblical consideration. There, there, is, there is a line that happens regarding these situations that says you must believe the victim. Is that accurate? Or do we take the allegations seriously and then investigate and hear the other side, then make a decision. And, and, and that's the biblical way. The, the latter is the biblical way to approach it. Take these allegations very seriously, because if somebody is lying about something like this, they're hurting. Even if they're just lying and it's not true, they're still hurting. Something is broken. Something has been damaged along the way. And we should care about these issues and people, but we need to be biblical and balanced. If you're going to be a messenger at the SBC, might I encourage you to remember that balance, that that you do this biblically, not just with legal counsel advice, not just claiming that every single allegation that is ever made is true. We, we know biblically that's not the case. We, we just know false allegations can be made. We see them in the Bible. Think Potiphar's wife. There are people who will lie. Now, that doesn't mean that we shouldn't jump in like paratroopers invading a territory. Get in there. Figure it out with urgency. Don't be lax. Deal with it urgently, but deal with it balanced and biblically back to the report and some of the 17 recommendations that guideposts made for the SBC executive committee form an independent commission and establish a permanent administrative entity to oversee comprehensive long-term reforms concerning sexual abuse and related misconduct within the SBC. I'm certain they're going to do that. Create and maintain an officer or an offender information system to alert the community to known offenders. Not exactly sure what they mean by that, but there certainly should be communication inside of SBC churches that lets everybody know um, that fellow who came to you from that church used to be at a church where he was accused of. We, we need to be balanced with it, but we need to be aware of these allegations. So whatever the database is that Guideposts had in mind, it seems the SBC would do well to have some sort of system. But whenever this happens and it is reported, it should go on somebody's file. 
even if it's an allegation that proves to be false. Why? There's one fellow in this report who had 44 allegations against him. 44. Now, I didn't adjudicate a single one of them. But when you have 44 different people making a similar accusation, it's pretty hard to imagine there's 44 excuses. Now, I guess there may be. Statistically, it seems a bit unfeasible to me, but we would we would take those allegations seriously by considering the number of reports. So if a pastor goes from that church and then there's another report, but he jumps to another church uh, to, to find cover, uh, wouldn't it be good if that pastor were talking about coming to your church and you discovered there were 44 allegations of sexual misconduct? Seems to me a database wouldn't be a terrible thing. Provide a comprehensive resource toolbox, including protocols, training, education, and practical information. You should have that at your church, too. You should, you should have policies that are written out, biblical and legal policies, both, that are written out so that people understand what are the order of events. If this is reported to me, somebody puts a confidence in me that they were abused. What's, what's the practice? What's the first thing that happens? Does your church have protocol for these sexual sins? Restrict the use of non-disclosure agreements and civil settlements which bind survivors to confidentiality in sexual abuse matters unless requested by the survivor. Now, I think the call here is transparency, that things aren't covered up, that things aren't put into the closet because of confidentiality. Now, to be clear, confidentiality is crucial when it comes to hearing private information about somebody. But when the law gets involved, um, you, you, that confidentiality, I, I believe, needs to be reconsidered because somebody got hurt here or is hurting do you have protocols? Do you have yourself a system? Do you have any sort of way of dealing with these things as they potentially hit your church? There were 700 abusive pastors. And this report, this is from Christianity Today now. They wrote the lengthiest treatise. Hundreds of elected EC trustees were largely kept in the dark. Please note that. Many of there's apparently about 30 people who work on the executive committee. They're actually on the SBC payroll. Most of them were not aware of this. It is a few. Let's remember that, shall we? And let's remember again that the SBC convention, the last one, they wanted a private investigation done. Those those are good things that we can at least recognize in the midst of a very bad report. Here are the attorneys getting involved advising EC presidents taking action on abuse would pose a risk to SBC liability and polity, leading the presidents to challenge proposed abuse reforms. That ain't good. Referred to advocacy for abuse victims as a satanic scheme to completely distract us from evangelism. Oof. Um, <laughs> could it be a satanic scheme? Certainly it could. But you got to investigate it. Got to be willing to take a look at it 
and not just dismiss somebody who's making an allization and say, get thee behind me, Satan. You're just opposing evangelism. That again, that's even putting evangelism above people. I love evangelism. Big proponent, big fan of the evangelism. But people come first. And if somebody makes an allegation, we're going to take that seriously, even if it might compromise our witness or testimony. It needs to be dealt with. And besides, innocent parties will be revealed as just that. And the guilty parties should receive their just due and not be shuffled off to another church where nobody knows about the allegations that were made at the past church. Lessons to be learned, lots of them. Balance to be found, absolutely necessary. We need to be both legal and biblical. This is Wretched Radio. Here's a preborn story that starts out a little on the bitter side, but ends up being very sweet. Neighborhood pastor's daughter ends up pregnant, and she was very abortion-minded, not wanting to face the consequences of her indiscretion. And she met her baby on the ultrasound. She just wept uncontrollably. Couldn't do it. That baby's alive today because an ultrasound was underwritten for a girl. And otherwise, even though she was a Christian, saw abortion as the easy answer. That is the power of an ultrasound. When a woman in crisis sees her baby 80 percent of the time she chooses life for just 28 dollars you could provide one of those ultrasounds but i would ask you how many ultrasounds might you be able to provide the more ultrasounds the more saved babies please consider what you can do at preborn.org slash wretched preborn.org slash wretched What's the one question you think we get the most here at Wretched? It's, why do you guys do what you do? And we thought the best person to answer that question was you. Wretched Radio has just really brought me closer to God. Wretched has changed my life. Wretched Radio, you all have done a great job at really bringing joy into our lives. Our goals have always been to preach the gospel, to equip people to preach the gospel, and to strengthen the local church. And when we hear testimonies from real people just like you, we are encouraged. My life will never be the same because of you guys. Through your video, God saved me. Wretched Radio, you encouraged me to walk with the Lord. And we know we would never be able to reach millions of people all over the world with the gospel if it weren't for the support of our gospel partners. If you're not a gospel partner, would you prayerfully consider partnering with Wretched to save the lost and reach millions of people with the gospel? Just log on to wretched.org slash donate to get all of the information you could ever want to know about becoming a gospel partner. That's wretched.org slash donate. Confession, normally numbers aren't my favorite subject, but these numbers make me happy. MediShare is affordable biblical health sharing with twice the satisfaction rate of MediShare members versus traditional health insurance plans. The average family saves $500 per month. Over $3 billion worth of medical bills have been shared among MediShare members, which, by the way, MediShare has been around for a quarter of a century. Don't forget, telehealth is available at MediShare, and it will take you two minutes to receive a quote to see what you and your family could be saving every single month with MediShare. Affordable biblical health 
sharing. Please spend a very worthwhile two minutes at 844-34-BIBLE, 844-34-BIBLE. Titles of Christ In the Bible, Jesus is given many titles that teach us about who He is and what He has done. Jesus is called the Door. A door serves to provide or prevent access. Thieves and robbers are prevented from entering in, but those who trust in Christ are able to come through Him into eternal salvation. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. The Walking Wounded. This is Wretched Radio. The details of the Guidepost Solutions report on the SBC Executive Committee's handling of sexual abuse allegations. It's not pretty. I didn't read the 288-page report. I have read synopses of it in pretty much every newspaper in the country reporting on this story. Quite gleefully, any time that they could grab a scandal and make it very public and smear the church, they're going to do that. And I would say again, that if indeed all of these allegations or many of these allegations or any of these allegations are accurate and they were not handled correctly, well, uh, then the world should be a bit upset with us, shouldn't they? Got to remember there's a testimony involved. I think we can remember history to a degree that probably in the 80s and 90s, reporting sexual abuse allegations to the authorities probably was not the norm for most churches, and it should have been. It shouldn't taken have taken the Houston Chronicle to do an expose on sexual abuse allegations in the Southern Baptist Convention. We, the church, should be handling this better than anybody. We should be the ones who take these the most seriously and don't make maneuvers that protect reputation. That that actually makes our reputation worse. I mean, what would we can only imagine history, but let's just say that in the SBC, not only were sexual allegations made, but the SBC, whether it's the executive committee and the local church, handled things well. What would the world be saying about the SBC today? They'd say, well, they 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 got some sinners in there, but at least they take it seriously. They deal with this. Isn't that better than the attitude they currently possess against the SBC? This, this, th- this report that was done by Guidepost, it is chum. It's carrion for the secular journalist vultures that love to smear anything potentially bad about anything Christian. And in this instance, the largest Protestant denomination in the country They love making these reports. And wouldn't it have been better if we had dealt with all of these issues historically? I'm talking about Southern Baptist. I'm talking about every denomination. We, if overall evangelicals had handled this more aggressively, and I will say it again, more biblically and more legally, yeah, it it is never good when something like this happens or an allegation is made. Never good. But isn't it better to handle it rightly and let the world think what it's going to think based on what we did correct as opposed to what was done wrong? The details reveal that there are people 
who are just they're they're just permanently scarred from this. One report allegation from a 14 year old girl that she was regularly abused by the pastor. Ugh, does it get any uglier than that? She got pregnant because of the assaults. And she was brought before the congregation to apologize for getting pregnant while not naming the father. She wasn't allowed to do that. Besides, father had been moved on to another SBC church. (laughs) Now, how many of these allegations over the course of the years are, are accurate and how many of them are never reported? And the answer is we don't, we don't know. I do think we need to remember, we're talking about 40,000 Southern Baptist Convention churches here. The overwhelming majority don't have a whiff of sexual abuse scandal. Let's, let's remember that while taking all of this very seriously. Many pastors have dealt with this wisely, biblically, legally, and well. And there are some that have not, and it is not entirely uncommon. You may know that we just produced 13 episodes of a biblical counseling program called Transformed. And we interview people. By the way, if you'd like to be a part of it, we'd love to hear from you. Go to wretched.org slash transformed to learn how you might be a part of our show and receive 12 weeks of biblical counseling when we are done Please go to wretched.org slash transformed. A number, and I mean it, it was a bigger number, of the people who have, if you will, applied to be in the program, women telling us they were sexually abused. Multiple. I, I, I know of four. It, it, it's, it's, it's not uncommon. There's a lot of bad churches out there. And, and things like this are allowed, that sexual abuse is just kind of winked at, or it's just because of shame it's kept underneath the covers. But for our purposes, I think we need to remember uh, there are a lot of people who have been scalded and they are hurting. Season two coming up, there are two people who were willing to say, I, I was sexually assaulted. Now, this wasn't in the church. I, I grant you that. This wasn't in the, the aforementioned ones were. These were not. But here's the detail that I left out. The gender. This is two men who were sexually abused as children, as, as young adults. These people are probably in your church. There are people most likely in your congregation who have been damaged very severely. Now, it might not be sexual abuse. It could be emotional. It could be spiritual abuse. It could be some other form of trauma. But we must recognize that inside of our local congregation, there are people, they're hurting and they need help. This is a great opportunity to do a shout out for biblical counseling. In my mind's eye, I'm transported to Orange County, California, Mike Fabares's church. Big campus, got the worship center on one side of the street. On the other side of the street, they have they they've started up a Bible institute. How cool is that for a local church? They got it going on there. And I went upstairs and I was so intrigued. There were a number of offices. I didn't count them, but there were many offices 
that had really big glass windows. What are those for? Biblical counseling. A number of rooms where people could receive biblical counseling for their scars and their hurt and their damage and their wounds. I might encourage you rather strongly to consider having a biblical counseling program in your church. You can learn how to do that at biblicalcounseling.com, biblicalcounseling.com. If you would love to dive deeper and even get a degree in biblical counseling, that's right, an accredited diploma in biblical counseling because it is that robust. You can do that at masters.edu. They've got an undergrad, a graduate, and a doctoral program, masters.edu, so that your church can be equipped to deal with people who are wounded and hurt and scalded and need some healing. And might I offer this word too, because unfortunately, sometimes it's kind of necessary. If you discover somebody in your church who was hurt even a long time ago, please don't be Job's counselor. Well, that was a long time ago. Haven't you moved on yet? (laughs) They might not know how to move on. Biblical counseling will help them to make progress when they have been traumatized. It is right that people feel wrong after being violated, whether whether they have been physically violated or their consciences have been violated. By the way, Dr. Greg Gifford's book on trauma, super helpful. Just started reading that. Uh, it's called Dr. Greg Gifford's book on post-traumatic stress disorder. So if you just put in Gifford, Dr. Gifford, G-I-F-F-O-R-D, and PTSD, you'll find the book. I'm sorry, Greg, I don't know the title, even though I'm reading the book. And it helps families and it helps congregations to deal with the walking wounded. Because what this guidepost report has revealed, we've got a fair amount of them. Remember, it's not the majority. There are presumably 13 million members of the Southern Baptist churches. According to this report, there are hundreds, seven over, just over 700, what they believe to be credible sexual abuse allegations. Now, does the fact that they've got 13 million members minimize that? No, it doesn't, but it does, it does put it into perspective so that we don't just think that we meet somebody who's SBC and go, ah, you're a part of a perv church. No, the overwhelming majority are not. But there will always be sinners who do really wicked, evil things, which sexual abuse is. And I would encourage you to perhaps just be aware that this is most like if you've got a church of 100 or more, you probably have a woman who's been abused. How's about we get in front of this, that we don't need guideposts anymore, that we don't need the Houston Chronicle anymore? Might I encourage you and your church to be equipped, have protocols, be prepared to help people who have been sexually abused. And until tomorrow, go serve your king.